We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for 8-24-08. And today we're going to be finishing up our studies on the King James Bible with an article entitled, Believers Beware of the Counterfeit King James Bibles. This is something that is uh, very rarely spoken about, and I was made aware of this several years ago through one or two different speakers that I had heard, but this is an actual article that's dedicated to this particular subject, and it, it brought up some things that I was not fully aware of in regard to this issue. So starting out, we read, the King James Bible believers are faced with an array of problems today. Of course, we know that the multiplicity of all the new modern versions are a big problem. But another big problem is the fact that many of the worldly publishing companies are publishing Bibles and calling them King James Bibles, and in actuality, they are not King James Bibles. They are counterfeits. Now, we had talked about Thomas Nelson Publishing uh, a couple weeks before, and then also, we, we've also talked extensively about Zonderfan, how they're actually owned by HarperCollins. Uh, they're a subsidiary of HarperCollins, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, which is one of the most evil men on earth. They also publish the Satanic Bible, HarperCollins. These types of things are, are a conflict of interest for, for any Christian that would you know, want to buy a Bible. The actual publishing companies themselves are corrupted, which is also, and then they've actually further now, we're going to find out, corrupted the text. So it's imperative that the word that we're reading is as pure of a word as possible, where, as the Bible says, you know, thy words are, are pure. And we want to keep them as pure as possible. This is what this article is going to be talking about today here. So if we continue, because the King James Bible is in the public domain and not copyrighted, well, it is copyrighted in, in England, okay, just to make that proviso. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail today, but the rest of the world it's not. But these worldly publishing companies think that they can make minor changes to the standard text so that they can please certain groups which translates them into extra sales for them. That's the way the modern world operates today. All the common ordinary Bible believer wants is the same Bible that his grandmother had and that the same Bible her grandmother had, etc., etc. And... You know, for the most part, that's exactly what I thought. I thought that I had, you know, the actual King James Bible that had been published for a number of years. But I was actually shocked this week when I checked many of my King James Bibles in regard to the information we're going to be getting into. It goes on to say, just give us the text that has established itself as the standard text of the Holy Bible. Christ exalting, devil kicking, authorized King James Bible. To the best of my understanding, this is the 1769 edition of the 1611 authorized King James Bible. Now again, we went over this last week. If you're not totally clear on this particular thing, listen to the previous studies. Until the 21st century, you could get a copy of it in any nickel or dime store. Today, you can still find it, but you must proceed with caution. You will be hard-pressed to find it at all in any typical Christian bookstores without some alterations to the text. The Bible of our forefathers, which we received through the process of time, comes with three specific warning labels. One is near the front, the other is near the middle, and the last one is at the very end. Warning label 1, Deuteronomy 4.2 Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Warning label number two. Proverbs 30, 
five and six. Now, there's many there's many warnings that you could. We've we've went over a lot of those verses, but these are three of the main ones. So Proverbs thirty five and six, and it says, "Every word of God is pure, and He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him." Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Warning label number three, Revelation twenty-two eighteen and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. That's a really, that's as, a, that's as of a severe warning as you could possibly get. I mean, that's, that's talking about burning in hell forever, essentially. If you're taken out of the book of life, you're not going to heaven. So, this is a very serious matter that we're talking about. It goes on to say, I would like to think these worldly publishing companies are just ignorant to the seriousness of what they're doing. However, in some cases, I'm sure that these deceptive maneuvers are being done with forethought. Well, if you were the devil, that's what you'd do. Question God's word. This is what this is all about. Adding to, taking away from God's word, questioning God's word. If you've got, now we get into the thing where you can have several King James Bibles, and they're saying different things now. Now, I'm not talking about big, gigantic, minor changes, but it doesn't matter, because the Bible says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of corrupt doctrine, when Jesus Christ warned the, uh, his disciples of the doctrine, or the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it was bad doctrine. But when you start to leaven the word of God, you're questioning the word of God. And it all goes downhill from there. So, if we go further, in other words, they are aware of the warning labels, but they choose to ignore them. They have hardened their hearts against the standard text of the Holy Bible. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> It was approximately six months ago, and I purchased a King James Bible from a popular online bookstore. It was the straight text, advertised as the standard text, meaning it had no notes, no references, no helps, no maps. It was just what I wanted. Just give me the Bible, and if I need help with a difficult passage, I'll ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, and I'll check other scriptures for references. Don't get me wrong, I'm not against some of the commentaries and other good Bible study tools. In fact, I consider them a necessity, for example, a good dictionary. It's just that, and again, when you, if the dictionary that you need to be using if you have a King James Bible is the, I mean, the best dictionary, I should say, is the 1828 Noah Webster. Now, you can, do, you can find this online. There's actually two versions of it online. Just do a keyword search for Noah Webster 1828. You'll actually find these two dictionaries online, and you can go and you can click on any word. You can buy it as well. It's going to cost you 60, 70, 80 bucks probably to buy. It's a pretty big, thick dictionary, and it's obviously not one that's mass produced. Oh, or you can download it from eSword for, three, for free. eSword. So there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do there with the, uh, the Webster's 1828 Noah Webster's. Now, the reason I say that is because those words in the Noah Webster's 1828 were essentially defined in a manner that is representative of the King James Bible text. Okay, It was a different time era. Many of the definitions are very much different than they are today, like the word charity, which is the highest embodiment, really, of, of the word love in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. We think of charity like taking a sack of uh, 
donated goods up to goodwill or something. That, that's how the world perceives charity. But in the Bible, or in the Noah Webster 1828, that word's defined totally differently. Okay, it's the highest embodiment of love. And, and, the, and the Bible proves that out. You know, charity is long-suffering, doesn't seek its own, these types of things. You're not going to get that, that definition if you just get a, uh, a modern-day dictionary. You're just going to get a very different form. So that's just another little side note that's important. So if we go back to this article, it says it's just the commentaries, the dictionaries, concordances, and the like are, are the words of men and not the words of God. And that's a good point. Just something to think about there. They are not infallible, these men. Therefore, I do not believe that they should be mixed together under the same cover and to be called the Word of God. It's a good point. In actuality, it is the Word of God plus the words of man or a group of men. In my opinion, the Holy Bible should be just the Word of God only from cover to cover. That's why I prefer the straight text. Now, he makes a lot of good points here. I mean, it's hard to, hard to pretty much argue with this, with what he's saying. At any rate, I had bought... The Bible I, I thought I wanted, it had been published by Cambridge. Now, this is the Bible that I've been recommending. So I apologize, because I was not aware of this information. And, and, and you know, this is something that um, is very little known. There's a lot of King James-only people that do not know what I'm telling you. So, um, forgive me, I, I was not aware of, of, of this particular information. And I'm not saying all Cambridge Bibles are bad either. You have to do the checks in order to know that. Up until, I believe, fairly recently, the Cambridge Bible text was fine. It was actually the preserved word of God. But now they, too, have gotten into the act. And this is what we should be expecting. I mean, the end times that we're living in, we should be looking for for Satan to corrupt the words of God. I mean, he, he started it in the Garden of Eden when he said, Yea, hath God said. He questioned the word of God to Eve. This is where basically sin entered into all humanity. And he's doing the same thing today. Okay, so he had published a Cambridge Bible, and he, he, you know, they've always kind of been, you know, they what we thought to be the the gold standard. And in fact, they're the oldest printer and publisher in the world. They are supposed to be the gold standard for dependability, according to many King James Bible believers. And again, that's what I thought as well. The Bible had a nice black French Morocco leather cover and the golden colored gilt edges. I mean, they're, they're top-notch Bibles, these, these Cambridge Bibles. They're, they're, they're just amazing as far as the quality. It was very nice on the outside, but when I started checking on the inside, I was shocked. This particular edition of the Cambridge Bible that calls itself a King James Bible is not genuine. It's actually a counterfeit. It's not the Bible of my forefathers. Here are some of the changes. Now, again, these changes may seem trivial, but we're going to get into some more that are, are a lot less trivial. And the thing is, is if every word of God is pure and it's there for a reason, then we don't need to be messing around with it. So, some of the changes are basically word changes. Like the word assuaged has been changed to a different spelling. Basins has been changed to a different spelling. Chestnut to a different spelling. You could go on and on and on and on. In other words, they are changing the word of God. Now, there's much more egregious changes that we're going to be getting into next. So he goes on to say, you know, why get so upset? These are just minor changes in spelling. Well, maybe they are, but you've never have read, haven't you ever read a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump? This is in 1 Corinthians 5, is one of the places it's said. You see, I believe God wrote the Bible through sinful men. I believe God copied the Bible through sinful men, and I believe that God translated the Bible through sinful men, and I believe that God edited and purified the Bible through sinful men. 
The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Where does it say that? Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. God says he is going to keep them and he is going to preserve them forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He said that. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, verse 89. So, thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. You could go on and on and on about this. And where God promised to preserve his word. So, this is something that if he promised to preserve it, and that if his words are not going to pass away, we have to be constantly guarding and seeking his true word. And if there was ever a time that we ever lived in on the face of humanity where you would think the devil would be going and trying to pervert the words of God, well, it's today. And that's why it talks about in the book of Amos where, where they're going to run to and fro and seek God's word and not find it. It's hard to find this day. This information that I'm getting into today is um, as rare as that expression, hen's teeth. It's very rare. This is not something that um, is being trumpeted from the pulpits across the world from America. And again, I apologize. I, I didn't know this in totality until I, I uh, received this article. Okay, so therefore I believe God gave us the exact words in the exact order he wanted us to have them in. If that's the case, then he spelled the words exactly the way he wanted to spell them. He gave them to us in his pure language, and that language is the standard text of the King James Bible. This is the Bible that has stood the test of time without any editing whatsoever. And this is the Bible, uh, what they call the Believer's Organization. This is the people that put this out. With God's help, and it intends to preserve for all future generations. Now, the website of the people that put this out um, is a department of the Believer's Organization. And it's thebelieversorganization.org. I went and did a cursory look at their website. It looked fine. Um, and they, you can go up there and get their phone number and their email and, and these types of things if you want to contact them further on this subject. So if you're wanting you know, to debate this, I would debate them in regard to this. I have went and checked several of the Bibles that I have regarding the changes that we're going to be getting into and I've already kind of touched upon. And these changes are real. They are not something that this, these, this organization is making up. I've already checked into this. And it's amazing how, on the King James Bibles that I had, how they were all almost all different in different areas. And I had no idea um, that they were doing this. So, beside all this, Cambridge has also taken the liberty of making doctrinal changes. Notice the following. Now, this is a big one to me. This is, this is major. The capital word S in the word Spirit of the Holy Spirit has been changed to a lowercase s in numerous passages. The capital S refers to the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, whereas the lowercase s in the word spirit could have multiple definitions, simply referring to mood or emotion. Its primary definition means to breathe. All living, self-moving creatures have a spirit within them. So many definitions could apply to the word lowercase spirit when it is not capitalized. So understand, God is not the author of confusion. When you have the uppercase S spirit, you're dealing with the Holy Spirit. It's very, very clear. But a lowercase S spirit, that could mean tons of things. So in other words, we're actually affecting the deity of the Godhead. We're, we're, we're de-deifying. We're, we're, we're lowering it. 
To change the capital S in the word spirit to a lowercase s is an attack against the Godhead. The most powerful threefold cold in heaven and in earth. Remember, a threefold cold is not a threefold cord is not easily broken, as the Bible says. We have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Cambridge has made this critical error in the following places. Now again, you would have to check your Cambridge Bible because this is something that's been more recently done. But the word spirit has been made lowercase in Genesis one two, Genesis forty one thirty eight, Judges three ten. Judges 634, 1129, 1325, 1425, 1416, 1414, 1 Samuel 10, 6, 10, 10, 11, 6, 6, 13, 6, 14, 19, 20, 19, 23, 2 Samuel 10, 6, 10, 10, 11, 6, that's a big deal. If it was just, if somebody came along and they say, oh, well, yeah, they've just, they're just pronouncing assuaged a little bit different way or whatever. Still, that would be enough for me to do this, this teaching. I believe that. But now we have this other matter, which really compounds the problem. For hundreds of years, Cambridge published these verses with a capital S. But now, in the 21st century, it has been changed. Actually, this so-called standard text edition first hit the market in 1993, and it has been endorsed by many King James Bible Believers websites to this day. So it happened, it started happening in 1993. I assume that they are not aware that it has been modernized. I wasn't. This is why the Bible says in Hosea 4.6 that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that if it were possible in the end times, even the very elect would be deceived. So again, don't ever let yourself get to a point where you think, I'm above being deceived. We, we, as Christians, I have found, we will, if, if we are humble before the Lord, and we don't well up with pride, you'll learn things every single day. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, we only hear you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, but it's predicated upon us continuing in his word. That's what Jesus Christ said. What if you have a polluted word that's going to affect your ability to garner and gain true truth? And this is what we have now with these modern versions. This is why it's such a big deal. Relating to this particular subject, let's just do a tiny Bible study here that does relate to this particular subject and kind of drives home the importance of it. In Daniel chapter 12, we read starting in verse 1, And at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince which standeth up, up for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation ever to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered... Every one that shall be written in the book. This is the book of life, okay, which is what we were talking about earlier. Okay, now this is the start of the Great Tribulation, essentially. This is the, the Great Tribulation when reference to a time of trouble such as never was. Verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some, of, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, this is a good thing. <laughs> I mean, this is, 
This is awesome. I love this verse 3. Now, this is regarding the times that we're moving into. Okay? And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as to the stars forever and ever. Okay, let's contrast that with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which is the antithesis of this particular verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, And then that wicked shall be revealed whom the Lord shall consume. This is verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, that wicked shall be revealed, uh, regarding the Antichrist, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and lying signs and wonders. This is the chief way that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to deceive, by the means of those miracles. Lying signs and wonders. What is this? This is witchcraft. Okay? What is going to be the source of the lying signs and wonders? Is it going to be God? No. It's going to be essentially witchcraft. Okay? Evil, lying, seducing spirits, lying signs and wonders that are doing this. Verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Now remember, this is the antithesis of the verse that we just read. This is the opposite side. Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. This is what Jesus said. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, you have to continue in his word. That's, that's the condition, right? What if your word's been corrupted? So that's how important the word is. It's the basis of the truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him. Without, any, without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus Christ Himself is equated with the Word. Okay, so we can tie all this together here. Verse 10 again, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received... Why? Because, is, is telling us why, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. It says God's going to be the one that's doing this, verse 11. That they should believe a lie. Well, that's not the loving God I serve. It's probably not. You, you don't understand. There's different attributes of God. There's also God's anger and God's judgment and these types of things. God is going to send the strong delusion that we're in right now. God's permitting this to happen. That they should believe a lie. That they might all be damned who believe not the truth. What is, the tr what is truth? Thy word is truth. That's what the Bible says. What is truth? Thy word is truth. What if the word's been corrupted? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You understand the importance and the severity of what we're talking about. This isn't a little trivial issue. That they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, let's go back to Daniel 12, verse 3 again. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. fear of the Lord is predicated to you finding truth, it sounds like to me. That's a whole other study. What we've done before, we've done studies on the fear of the Lord. You can look those up um, on the little search box on the right-hand side of uh, my homepage on Sermon Audio. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Are you actively seeking to turn people to righteousness? This is a Christian self-check. 
That's a pretty cool reward. They shall shine as the stars forever and ever? Praise the Lord. It's just, it's just a question. I, I'm not judging. I'm just saying. It's, it's a, there's a lot of Christian self-checks in the Bible. Verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the end, time of the end. Isn't that kind of like where we're at right now? The time of the end? Yeah. What were we just talking about here? The start of the Great Tribulation. This is when the words of this book are going to be more revealed. And then it says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the knowledge is all going to be truth. Most of the knowledge that, out, that is out there right now is the knowledge of man, or the knowledge of the world, or secular knowledge, or worldly knowledge. Most of it is not the pure words of God. Well, how do you know that? Well, it says many will run to and fro. Where else does it say that many will run to and fro thing or, or something similar? Well, let's go to Amos 8, verse 11. Amos 8, verse 11, where it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, I will send a famine in the land. Now, notice, this is God doing it again. He said he was going to be the one that sends the strong delusion. That they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth. And we know it. what is truth. Thy word is truth. This is why I keep telling people, don't trust in man. Don't, don't, don't follow me. I'm just a man. I can fail you. Okay? If what I say doesn't line up with the word of God, then, you know, don't, I'm not telling anybody to follow me anyway. Period. Because I want you to follow the word of God. Not Scott Johnson, the word of God. It says, Again, verse 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, I will send a famine in the land. God's doing it. A famine. Not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I'd say we're there right now. We've got most of the people not even using anything that I would even consider a Bible. I Hopefully we've proven that with the last five studies. They're using an absolutely different, corrupted word of God. But now we are to find out today that most of the King James Bibles out there aren't even the word of God. Or they've been polluted to a certain degree. A little leaven leaveneth a whole lump. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You don't want a corrupted sword. If you go out to do battle, you don't want a, you don't want a sword that's been commingled with bad metals or, or, or whatever. It's not going to stand up in battle like a sword that's pure. It's said thy words are pure in the Bible. So God says he's not going to send a famine of bread nor of a thirst of water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. Now, granted, yes, during the tribulation we're going to have famines and these types of things, but I believe this has actually started, this particular verse, it started and, and we're in it right now. Just look at that we, how hard it is to get the true word of the Lord. That's what we're proving today. Verse 12, And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro. Isn't that what it just said back in Daniel 12.4? Where people are going to run to and fro? And knowledge is going to be increased? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's truth knowledge. It's going to be a lot of knowledge. Well, if there was ever a time in the history of humanity when knowledge was increased, can't you say it's now? With the advent of the internet alone? And all the different books that have, have been published and all the theories and all the, what the computers have, have let people do as far as storing up knowledge. There is only one time in the history of humanity this could apply and it's now. But many are going to run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not 
find it. This is part of the strong delusion that God is sending. See, if everybody was finding the Word of God, the strong delusion couldn't really come to any particular degree. Think about it. If everybody had a pure Word of God and was believing that pure Word of God, they would, they would in and of themselves not be going around being deceived because they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. See, I'm trying to cross-reference this against all these other verses we've talked about to make this real to you so you can understand that this is very, very important. But it says the same thing in Daniel 12.4. They're going to run to and fro. To seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Like I said, I didn't even know about this information I'm going over today until this week. I've corresponded with some other people that have been doing this a lot longer than me and they didn't know it either. So if we go further, it says here's another change that has been made in this particular edition. The word too edged has become too dash edged. They add a hyphen. This is this word is only in the King James Bible four times. Psalm one forty nine six, Proverbs five four, Hebrews twelve or four twelve, and Revelation one sixteen. Now check this out. They add the hyphen in only three of the four verses. They left it out without a hyphen in Hebrews four twelve. Why? Was this a mistake, or did, they, or did they mean to do it that way? Why tamper with it in the first place? Well, remember, God's not the author of confusion. And if you were to look at those four verses, you'd say, well, why does this one have a hyphen and this one doesn't? It just looks confusing. All we want you to do is publish the same standard text of the King James Bible as you've done so very well for over hundreds of years. Don't publish something that is not the standard and call it the standard. Once you modernize the, smel- the spelling, change capital letters to lowercase letters and add hyphens, you are changing the standard text in order to please modern society. Here are some other ploys that some of those otherworldly publishing companies are pulling on the unaware public. One thing a lot of them do is change the spelling of the words that end with the letters O-U-R to the more modern American spelling of O-R. For example, armor becomes... Uh, A-R-M-O-U-R becomes armor. A-R-M-O-R. Behavior becomes behavior. Again, this is with the modified spelling. They change clamor, the word color, endeavor, favor, honor, labor, neighbor, odor, rigor, rumor, valor. And then he goes on to say, well, what's wrong with that? Remember what we said about the warning labels. Remember what the scripture said about a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Now, the very worst of the battle of this is of this O-U-R versus O-R comes when dealing with the only begotten Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The modern-day counterfeiters have changed Savior, S-A-V-I-O-U-R, to Savior, S-A-V-I-O-R. This has given us a six-lettered Savior in place of the seven-lettered Savior, in Bible numeric, seven is the number of completeness, purity, and spiritual perfection. On the other hand, six is the number of man, which is not earthly or heavenly. Everyone has heard of the number 666. It's a bad connotation, and um, just something to think about. The seven-lettered Savior is the only begotten Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. The six-lettered Savior is the Son of Perdition, the Antichrist. Interesting point. He wants to be like the Most High, according to Isaiah 14.14. 14. It is not a good way, but an evil way. He is not a follower. He's a counterfeiter. Therefore, his final destination is the lake of fire. The new versions, along with the New Age movement and some of the King James Bible counterfeiters, are preparing the way for the six-lettered so-called Savior. That is the way he will spell his name. S-A-V-I-O-R. 
Not S-A-V-I-O-U-R. No thank you, Satan. I'm sticking with the seven-lettered Savior as portrayed in the old King James Bible that I inherited from my forefathers. There are many other things on the worldly going on by the worldly publishing companies. Almost all of them have hardened their hearts against the standard Bible, standard text of the Holy Bible. They do not believe God actually had his hand upon it, much less wrote it. I mean, we, we talked about that in the previous weeks. I mean, just the flippancy of the way these translators operate, it's, it's inconscionable. I, 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 all I can say is they've absolutely got no fear of God whatsoever. They treat it as a product of men. That is why they do not hesitate to publish all the different new versions. Nor do they hesitate to change the old King James and still call it a King James. If a person can't see the fingerprints of God upon the King James Bible, then he is either clouded uh, in his thought patterns or he is lost as a duck in a desert with his head in the sand. The rules of the English grammar may change, but King, the King James Bible is fixed in a moment of time. Interesting point. The 1800s and the 1900s and forevermore, it is unchangeable. This is the standard text and there is no other. This is the book that spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. This is the book that my grandmother had and her grandmother had and her grandmother had without any alterations or editing whatsoever. Now again, remember, if we were to go back, let's say 130 years ago, approximately, there would be no debate on this issue. I wouldn't have to even do this teaching because there would be no debate because that's what they had was essentially, you know, the 1611 authorized King James Bible version, the, the 1769 edition. This is what they had. And they would have had a dictionary basically like Noah Webster. So it wouldn't have been necessary. It was, it was good enough for them. And again, we talked about the fruit of all the revivals and the preaching and all the people that got saved. In, in regard to this particular Bible. And now here we are in the time of the greatest apostasy the world has ever known. And are we to think that we're better? Or that we're somehow, we're, we're above all of this? Are we to glory in our shame as they were in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Well, that's what's happening. We're glorying in our shame for the most part. With these, you know, modern day intellectuals and scholars and, and, and all these theologians and the, and the people at the seminaries that are teaching all the pastors about this and questioning the word of God. And then they go, you know, and they yoke themselves up in, into corporations in the government with their 501c3 status and it goes on and on and on. I believe this is the source for a lot of the leaven that's come into the church. The King James Bible issue. This is the book that spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. This is the book my grandmother had and her grandmother had. It is, it is essentially um, the same book that rolled off the printing press in 1611. The only difference is being it was changed from the Gothic type to the Roman type. Printing errors were corrected and the spelling was stabilized. The King James Bible is a very old book. Now consider the scriptures have been translated into over 1,200 languages... Of over 800 of these languages, it was translated straight from the Elizabethan English of the King James Bible. Let me read that again. Scriptures have been translated in over 1,200 languages. Of over 800 of these languages, it was translated from essentially the King James Bible. Not from the Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. Interesting point. Not from the Latin, not from the German, but straight from the authorized King James Bible version. What if that Bible's been corrupted? Now you go to do the translation, it's further corrupted. See how important it is for the foundation? Because the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, this is the foundation of our faith. 
the Word of God. Now, some of these people have learned English as a second language. They have read, you know, the King James Bible. They are not familiar with these modern Americanized spellings, nor most of the other English speaking people of the world. So in other words, if they learn from the King James Bible, they're not going to be familiar with the spellings in an in a NIV or a living Bible or something like that. They've actually learned it the right way. Can you see what God has woven together through the process of time? The Holy Bible is from above and is, remember, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. If it's settled in heaven, hmm, it's from above, right? Yes. We want to make sure what's ever settled in heaven matches what we're reading, right? Yeah, of course. See how important this matter is? Hopefully I'm bringing that point home. Can you see what God has woven through the process of time? The Holy Bible is from above and is a finished book from God. It is written in a pure language. Furthermore, the language is very peculiar and has been used and is still being used in a very unique way. Let's preserve it as the way we received it and quit trying to change it. Now, what it does, I'm going to make sure that I have this... Uh, I'm going to try to add this to my King James Bible packet, which I will post as a PDF up on the internet. And it has a quick chess ch checklist when buying a King James Bible. It's got about, I don't know, 30 things that you can look up. Just about. And you can go right to Genesis 1.1. And the real Bible says just the word heaven. The counterfeit says heavens. Plural. Genesis then 1.2. This starts right at the beginning of the Bible. Again, huge one. We have the Spirit. Okay? And Genesis... Um, Let's just read that real quick. Genesis 1-2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Well, in the counterfeit Bibles, that Spirit is a lowercase s. If you were a pagan reading that, you could think it's any Spirit. You'd be familiar with that. But when it's an uppercase s, that's distinctive and different. The deity of Christ, the part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit... But in the counterfeit, it's a lowercase s. Right from the very get-go of the Bible, the first two verses of the Bible, we're talking about changes here. Remember, a little leaven, leaven at the whole up. It, uh, and again, we've went over a lot of the verses where they changed the word spirit uh, from uppercase to lowercase. It's, there's so many, it, there's too many for me to even go over. To me, it's a huge issue. This is just a very short list of changes being made by some of the worldly publishing companies if you find one counterfeit word, then it's a pretty good indication there are many more. Don't buy that Bible. Check elsewhere. Well, I checked my Bibles, and I only found one of the several that I had, which actually well, you would be considered that, that, that um, filled the bill that lined up that actually was a true King James Bible. Now, well, uh, let me, I'll go into this next. The best place I know of to purchase a good Bible at a reasonable price is the Bearing Precious Seed Ministry. They sell them at cost. However, they do expect a donation with each purchase. This is a church ministry, not a business. Now, I went up online, I checked Bearing Precious Seed. They are selling these Bibles, and um, they, they only have like five different things you can buy on this particular site. And uh, they do all their own. Publishing, printing, binding, everything. And again, think about this. We've got Zonderfan, which is one of the most evil companies on earth. I already talked about them. Owned by HarperCollins, owned by Rupert Murdoch. We've got Thomas Nelson Publishing. We, we went into them in the previous weeks. They're wicked. That in and of itself is a problem. You've got a wicked company in it for the money publishing your Bible. 
That by itself, even if it was a pure word, still now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't really want to be giving them my money, particularly entrusting the word of God to some ungodly particular company that's in it for the money. Bearing precious seed, this is their ministry. Okay, they sell the Bibles at cost. They, they handle the Bibles from start to finish. Doesn't that make you feel a little bit better about what you're getting? They have the Bibles that we're talking about with no textual alterations whatsoever. Okay, so the, their, um, I'll make sure that their website is on the PDF file. Now, for those of you out there, a lot of times I get emails saying, well, I need more information or documentation on this particular thing. Make sure, because most of the teachings I put up there have a PDF file with them. On every page that you click on to listen to one of my teachings, on that page, you'll see a little white uh, box that says PDF in the middle of it. You can click on that. You can get the whole list of documentation. If it's something that is not practical for me to put into a PDF format, I'll usually try to at least include a link to the website which we're talking about, there's a there's a little box that you or a little thing you can click on. It's usually down below the the uh, text description of the sermon, and you can click on that, and that'll take you to the website. Uh, but bearing precious seed, you can look that up on the internet, and uh, they've got about five different Bibles. Uh, they've got a larger King James print, and they've got a smaller. Their prices are more than reasonable. They're very highly quality made Bibles, um, and. They're essentially the ones I'm really going to be recommending at this point. Um, I, I just don't see how you're going to be able to go wrong with it. So, anyway, that concludes this particular teaching in our, in our series on the King James Bible. We're going to go to our next part of our teaching. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.